Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. This podcast is an experiment in philosophical conversation, intended to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview creatives from all backgrounds and walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up your next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that looks like. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. All right, my friends, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited about this one. I'm on scene, on location, on the north shore of Oahu. I've been surfing waves this whole week with my awesome uncles, Uncle Jim and Uncle Mark. And uh, yeah, I had to pin them down to get this interview. I had to make it happen. You know how it is on vacation. One thing leads to another. And before you know it, we're like having dinner and you know, the, the night just gets away from you. So it's the last day of my trip. And after breakfast, we sat down and got this interview. It's really fun. It's really fun. These two gentlemen have lived epic lives, doing what they love, following their adventure, their excitement, their bliss. And they've made, made, really, uh, they've made really awesome lives out of using what's around them, using what they've got. Um, leaning into that adventure and yeah yeah excited for you to hear this one so yeah share this around to anybody that you know that likes awesomeness and be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast uh, platform you're listening on and uh, yeah I just started a new Facebook group it's called Art and Life, and that's where I always post these episodes first, and then I put it out to the general public, so if you want to go there and you want to get the newest, latest, and greatest while it's happening, um, join that group, and yeah, we always, we're starting to up a little bit of like philosophical art discussion. I want to hear what you have to say about things, so jump over there. I got one question posted right now. Um, you know, be a gem and go over there and Tell me what your answer is to the question. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I don't know if you can hear the waves in the background. I don't know how good this sound quality is going to be, but uh, it is what it is. I'm on the north shore of Oahu, and it's freaking beautiful, and I'm looking at the ocean. And I'm sending you aloha vibes right now. So soak that in wherever you're at, whatever the temperature outside is, and sit back and relax and dive into whatever creative thing you do while you listen to this this podcast episode and with that jim mitchell and mark zanetti welcome everybody to the podcast i'm your host taylor gallegos with a special version coming to you from oahu the island of oahu where we're at at mark zanetti's house so my guest today i have two guests on and this is uncle mark and uncle jim we got Jim Mitchell and Mark Zanetti in the house. These are uh, relatives of mine who have helped raise me into the person that I am. So, <laughs> Mark and Jim, <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast today. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Definitely. 
Um, all right, so we're gonna start with the uh, who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at, and what you do. So, uh, Mark, you wanna start? Sure. Um, Mark Sonetti, was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, as well as Jim, our families are from there. Um, went to high school in Cleveland. And um, pretty early on, I got a passion for skiing, probably from Jim, um, who was kind of the older brother, seven, eight years older than me, had already moved out west, and so we got a taste for skiing out west and so forth. Um, graduated high school. And real quick, so... Uncle Jim, you are my mom's brother, and then Mark, you are their cousin. Uncle Jim, you're the oldest of the group, and then Mark, you're the oldest of your family. So right. that's how that all kind of works works right. out. Right. So, um, so actually, yeah. So uh, my dad and Jim became partners in some properties in Jackson Hole, and um, we were. 12, 13, 14, getting sent out for Christmas break to go ski with Jim and Jackson. So that was pretty great. Um, graduated high school, went to school in Ohio for one year. Uh, really couldn't take the flatlands of Ohio and um, applied for an exchange program to Montana State because I applied for the best skiing schools I could find and got accepted to Bozeman. Um, it was supposed to be for the winter quarter ended up transferring out there and living in Montana for four years. Graduated, just skied my brains out basically, went to business school there. Um, graduated with a business degree. Went to Europe for the winter, skied around Europe. Um, came back having to find a job or something to do. Totally broke, I went back to my parents' house, worked in Cleveland for a few months to get some traveling money again and uh, at that time windsurfing was just starting and we ordered my friend and I ordered windsurfers from Canada that nobody even had them in Ohio um, and I saw in Hawaii these guys were riding their windsurfers in the waves and I thought I gotta go check that out booked a trip to Hawaii um, to windsurf and um, Never went home, never went back. <laughs> uh, never had an intention to stay in Hawaii, um, but just kind of fell in love with the place. Um, and one year led to two years, led to 30, 40, whatever, and here I am. Um, when I first moved here, I, to make money, I worked just odd jobs, construction, whatever. I sold solar for a few years. Um, Figured I'd make my parents happy and try to find a career job. Whoa. That's, um, that's the dryer, right? <laughs> and uh, so I actually went into public. I worked for a publishing company for like almost 20 years. Um, that was actually at one point at the end was going to buy the publishing company. And then we were bought out by a large corporation, Gannett, biggest publishes USA Today and, uh, you know, big, big company. So then I became part of the corporate world. I lasted three years with that. I hated my job every day. I couldn't take it. And um, one of my surf buddies had just started a company. 
um, and there was three of us kind of were, two of us were small partners. Um, and basically it was, uh, he was making waterproof cameras, kind of like the Fuji disposable cameras everybody knew, but we made them a little, he, he, he was going to China and working with the factories and manufacturing them. And, um, you know, when I saw what he was doing, I thought it was really cool. And I was like, hey, I could sell those, you know? And so we ended up uh, doing that for about 10 years. Um, until the digital revolution came around and then that kind of ended, but we had a good run with that. And then I, um, when that ended, I was looking for something just that would be good for the environment, a career that, um, you know, I could have enthusiasm to sell a good product, but it was also good for the environment or it was just something that um, gave back a little bit and started researching fertilizers and things like that because as a surfer in the ocean um, you know all the runoff from fertilizers and all the things that were happening and the non-GMOs and all that stuff um, I was looking for alternatives and um, got into science of it a little bit found a company that manufactured really high quality fertilizers that uh, are basically absorbed quickly by the plant there's no waste or runoff um, and now that's my business. I sell to the state of Hawaii and the golf courses are my customers. And um, it's great because I'm not, the cameras I had to travel all over the world, different cities every day. And I was away from home trying to raise a young daughter. It was terrible now. My customer base is all in Hawaii. It's close to home and um, you know, been in a pretty nice place. Um, but where I really was fortunate through this whole process was um, early on, I started buying real estate. And um, I first one was a condo and I um, basically just put some lipstick on it, painted it, fixed the cabinets, and I sold it for more money than I had made. In three months, I sold it for more money than I had made the whole year. And I thought, oh, there, I'm onto something here. So then I bought another condo, and then I built a house, and then I sold those, and then I built another house, and um, was able to kind of like flip and parlay to um, where I am now. And um, what was good is um, during that time, I was really just building everything paycheck to paycheck, so I never really had a big mortgage or anything, so when I would sell it, I would you know, have a, a good profit to parlay into the next property. And that's really what got me to a comfortable place more than my career jobs, I would say. Nice. Hell yeah. Jim, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Tell us your life story. Okay, like Mark, I was born in Cleveland. Um, I grew up with the typical Midwest lifestyle spent, but I spent a lot of time with Mark's dad who had a farm out in what was the country back then. Uh, and that was where all the doctors and lawyers live. Um, I graduated from high school there and went to college at Alfred University in upstate New York. Um, I skied more than I went to class, and 
once I graduated, that really had more of a decision on what my career was going to be. Um, because I majored in business and at that point business seemed like uh, shirt and tie kind of stuff. So I ended up moving to Jackson, Wyoming, got a job out there teaching skiing. And after spending a winter there, I realized I really loved the place. So I spent the next summer there. And now 40 years later, I still have a house there. Um, I did the ski instructor, ski patrol, raft guide, waiter thing for probably 20 years. Um, till I was about 40 when I uh, finally got tired of that. I ended up opening a restaurant uh, called Shades Cafe that was a coffee uh, breakfast lunch place. Uh, it was kind of difficult going from going to bed at three o'clock to waking up at four o'clock and after seven years of that I realized I had to get rid of it and I also feared Starbucks coming to Jackson. Um, so I was lucky enough to sell it. Um, through the middle of shades, I got married um, and had my first daughter, Jameson. So I realized I had to stay pretty serious with my life. So I, uh, oh, I also had bought a couple houses and built my own house right about the same time that Mark built his house. And just like Mark, I realized the real estate game was a way to make more money than I was making in the restaurant. Um, unfortunately, I didn't buy the building that Shades was in, so I decided if I was <clears throat> ever gonna do another restaurant that I wanted to be my own landlord. Uh, so some friends of I went to a town called Lander, which is three hours away and saw an old bar that was for sale, 100 year old building. So we bought that and um, opened a bar in there, which turned into a restaurant um, called the Gana Grill. Then I bought the place next door, another restaurant called Cowfish. Um, and also, got some commercial property and some rentals. Um, so that was a, quite a busy time because my daughters were young, so I was commuting back and forth to Jackson, working really hard. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I had sold the Lander Bar, and then I sold uh, half of cowfish to my partner and my both my daughters went off to college and finally the hard work paid off um, all of a sudden I didn't have to work as hard I didn't have to travel as much um, I could sleep at night because I wasn't worried about my daughters uh, really getting, 
get in through high school oh, okay. without getting in trouble. Uh, and since then, I have, life has been really good. I uh, have been spending my winters in New Zealand, my summers in Jackson, and found a new sport I really love, surfing, which I didn't take up till I was in my mid-50s. And uh, met a woman who also likes to do the same stuff. And we've been having fun. Heck yeah, you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I mean, hearing you guys say all this, you know, it brings to mind that, like, I was born in Boulder because mom went to Jackson and visited you. Like, you, you Jim, kind of led the whole charge west. And then Mark, that brought you out. Everyone kind of took their little times going out there. And mom lived in Jackson in a teepee for a little while. And then she went back home and then came back out to Boulder, had me. Like the whole West thing. Mark lived in Jackson too for a while. Yeah. 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 And it's like that, uh, I don't know, it's cool. Like so many people just stay home and stay in their little area that they're, they're born in, which is awesome. And that's one lifestyle. But then there's another one where you just like, go off and I feel you would like follow your bliss that's a big thing in the in the new age circles these days like follow your bliss and uh and you guys have lived that life of just like well what's fun what do I like to do you know like Mark you came to Hawaii after windsurfing and then you haven't left and you've like based your life around that and we're on a surf trip right now hanging out and like we've gone surfing twice a day every day for the last week and we're just having a blast. But I'd say, like, another thing that stands out about both of your lives and the way that it has worked is it's, like, one step at a time. And that's, like, the creativity of your life, your lives, of how, like, you've gotten to where you're at, which I would say is, like, very successful in, in all respects that I can look at. Is like, it's not like you guys are... <laughs> You guys are very smart, but it's not like you're like geniuses, like revolutionizing anything. You're not like, you know, you're not, you don't have any like, I mean, you have skills, but it's not like you're like extraordinary in any certain way. You're not like LeBron James and this and that. But like what you do is you like work with what you've got when you have it where you're at and you, you like in your situation, you're like, all right, well, what can I do from here? That's going to be a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think we're both kind of good at a lot of things. As yeah. opposed to being really good at one thing. Hard work, too. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I, I know Jim. I mean, he worked like 20 hours a day. He'd have an, an hour break, and he'd go, like, off on a bike ride or whatever, like, to get that one hour in a day or whatever it was. But, I mean, there was, yeah. I, um, but it's easy to work hard when you're, when you have more passion for life or you're not stuck in a rut. You know, it's like, it's easier when it's, you're self-motivated, you know, in that way. And it's your own thing. Yeah. You know, we were working on our own businesses or building our own houses. It wasn't like, so you didn't mind, you know, working till dark. Yeah. Because you could see progress at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, and when you're investing in yourself, all that time and energy is gonna compound in your own direction. Whereas like, I mean, you were in the corporate world for years, like, any extra work you do is not necessarily coming back to you unless it comes back in the form of like a raise or something. 
or a bonus. Mark was a salesman, though, so it does. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is directly commission-based. Yeah, but then when I got in the corporate world, I was more into management, and um, that was just more how you fit in than what you accomplish. (laughs) That's what I felt. Yeah. And that, especially after being in a small company where you, you really, your work really mattered, like everything mattered when it was a small company, but in the, in the, I just didn't fit into the corporate world. I just was just unhappy, that's all. Yeah. And then there's this whole uh, side of you guys that is the athletic side, and I feel like that's a really fun thing that I've tried to follow in your guys' footsteps, and it's just like the way you spend your time is doing activities that are exciting and fun and like cycling and surfing and windsurfing and and, um why don't you go into that that side of things your love of that uh i think both with mark and i the love started with skiing and for for me it was the first thing i was ever good at and i was really 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 strong done (laughs) I only weighed 103 pounds when I graduated from high school, so... Three? Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) So, but that didn't really matter, skiing, whereas football, baseball, you know, what everybody else was doing, Yeah. you couldn't do it 103 pounds without getting killed. (laughs) Um, But the fact that I avoided all those things, I think, is also the reason my body's still kind of intact. I think that has... (laughs) 67 years old because I didn't take a lot of hits uh, when I was younger and yeah I just when I moved to Jackson it was a really easy to stay fit because you didn't have to go to the gym to stay fit you could go for a run in the woods or a mountain bike or it's a whole different level like fitness was fun Whereas I think if you live in a city, fitness is something you have to force yourself to do. Um, Yeah, yeah, fitness is like a thing that happens while you do fun things that you like to do. Exactly. So you aren't really trying um, until... And even just doing it competitively, I did it more just to make myself even fitter. I didn't really care that much about winning. It was more just a goal to do better you know I was always racing against myself not everybody else yeah which is awesome I mean that's like non-attachment to the outcome yeah which if you're not attached to like beating somebody you're just doing it to do the best you can like that that's like the ideal way to do it yeah and then you push yourself naturally instead of like pushing yourself to like a breakneck point and that's why I think I still like racing even it's fun for me because I don't really care yeah (laughs) which makes you like untouchable emotionally which keeps you probably more stable through the race yeah and smarter thinking clearer definitely what about your love for athletic stuff Mark um well I mean in high school I did play football my my dad was a football coach so (laughs) Played college, went to college. You on guys all played scholarship. I oh, have you... three brothers. We all played football. I mean, it was like you know, football was like I don't know. I was never. I think my cousins all went to co- went to college on football scholarships. I mean, football was pretty big in our family. So, and I loved it. 
I still um, have some good friend, you know, high school friends that played football with that I still keep in touch with and stuff like that. But I never, um, I, I, I wasn't, um, I never went to the gym. I never lifted weights. I couldn't stand any of that stuff. Um, you know, and I always had a, got a hard time from my coaches for never doing any of that stuff. And, um, but I connected more with the, just, I mean, skiing, it was, it was the weirdest thing. Like the first time I skied, I, I, it was just so natural for me. I like, I didn't even have to think about it. I could just ski. Uh, I don't know why that is. Um, it just came very easy to me. Um, and really it's the physical activity, but it's connecting with the outdoors. It's connecting with the mountains. That's my love for surfing too. It's connecting with the ocean. Uh, skiing is connecting with the mountains and it's, it's, um, it's healing for us. It's like church, you know, I can, it, it lets me, um, if I'm frustrated, I get frustrated, whatever it is, it's just, I find a balance with athletics and nature that um, gives me energy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, I, I talk about flow state on this podcast all the time and in terms of art, but then also in flow state or in athletics, you get in that zone. Like, um, do you guys, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, getting in the zone when you're, when you just, I guess it's like where you, you stop thinking and you're just being. You're like, you're just making decisions not on like a, a cognitive level, more on just like you know what to do. Like, like we've been surfing all week and the, like the decision whether or not to go on a wave, you know, you're paddling for the wave and then you have a split second to decide like yes or no. And like, is it your brain making that decision or is it more yeah, of like... I, I, well, with skiing with me, I mean, I had skied so much that it became, I don't even... I, I was more comfortable on my skis than walking. I mean, I felt like I don't, I, it was the point where I didn't really, I don't think it was just a reflex or just a, a full, total flow. I don't think it was any like, think to put weight on this ski, turn right. Or I, not, I don't think I ever think of any of that at the, for a while. Um, but what was fun with surfing, and I think this is why it's so fun for Jim too, is when you get back in the learning curve of a sport and you're you're progressing every day and it's rewarding because you feel like you feel the progress or you feel like you know the improvement whereas when you've been doing something for a really long time not that it gets stale and i have a house in utah and i still miss the mountains i go to the to the mountains a lot but for me it's just a really relaxing experience now because i have that background of skiing and i don't have to think about it i can just go do it it's like riding a bike yeah. And so now I can get back in the mountains and enjoy the mountains and the experience without really having to worry about is it a black diamond or is it a blue diamond or whatever I can go down and not have to think about it. I think what Mark says to as you get older, like I realize that most of the sports that I do, like every day I do it, I get worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you're aging. Yeah. So every day yeah. I ski, I'm worse than I used to be. Every day I mountain bike, I'm worse. Every day I run, I'm slower. Right. But with surfing, I actually can get better because I'm just learning. Right. And I think that's why I like it more than I like anything else. But also, when you were talking about flow, it made me think about mountain biking because it's one of those sports that if you earn 
in the flow, you're gonna crash. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when I'm when you're going downhill on a mountain bike, like you are not thinking about what you're gonna have for dinner or a problem at work or anything else. Like you're a hundred percent thinking about uh, what you're doing. And I think it's like that in any sport, but some more than other, you know, if you're a downhill racer, like when you go out of that starting gate, if you aren't in the flow, you're toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like all sports have those moments where like your concentration, your um, consciousness gets like sharpened into that knife edge of presence. And yeah, mountain biking is one where it's like that moment is extended through most of the time that you're doing it. Soccer, on the soccer field, there's like moments that happen, but then there's a lot of times where you're like running up and down the field and the ball's on the other side of the field. Yeah. Or like, and all, all sports kind of have like a different flow to it. Like football is like casually walk around and then like line up and then boom, there's an explosion for like three, four seconds and then you chill for like 20 seconds. And then like basketball is a little more consistent throughout. And then surfing, you like sit there and you wait, wait for the waves. And then and everyone's just like hanging out, talking to each other, chilling, you know, looking at the scenery. And then all of a sudden you see these big shapes coming on the horizon. And then it's like all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Everybody starts scattering for different directions of which they, where they think the wave's gonna build. And that like, I feel like that's one of the like defining characteristics of like different sports. It's like different flows to them. Yeah. And you can see it on a surfer's face when they start paddling for the wave, like they're, they're there. Oh yeah. They're, like the look in their eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I got this. <laughs> and the, and the best people in sports are the ones that have the best flow. Yeah. When LeBron James gets the ball, like he knows he's going to make a basket. Everybody on his team knows he's going to make a basket, and his opponents know he's going to make a basket. Yeah. It's just like the ultimate flow. Yeah. Yeah, it's like in the concept of losing yourself to the, to the game. You know, you, like, you just get lost in the game, and then you, like, you like are part of the game. It's not like your mind. Like our minds can get in the way and when I was younger playing soccer I feel like I was just so in my head all the time and just thinking about like possible outcomes like oh I might get the ball or they might go over here that person's huge and I'm scared to go up and do a header against them and and there were certain games I remember in high school where like I would go up for a header and then just get throttled and then I'll, it was like I needed to get hit and then all of a sudden it was different and I was like in the game I wasn't worried about anything, and, and I was like... Yeah, hey. sometimes taking a wave on your head will wake you up, you know? Yeah. in the game. <laughs> well, we went out the other day, and <laughs> Jim, you were smart, stayed on the beach, and Mark and I are out in the waves, and uh, these were... Officially, it was like five to seven foot, uh, is what they were saying, and that means that there's like double... So a seven foot wave is like 14 feet of a face of a wave. And, uh, and there was some bigger sets that came through and I took like four of them on the head, which means that the wave broke right in front of me and there was nowhere for me to go. And it just 
tumbled me like crazy, huge waves. And I just came up out of the water and was like paddling so hard. All my muscles were just like firing. I was full on. You were like, alive. I was alive in that moment. <laughs> and he would just look back at me and I'm like, whoo, like full on firing. <laughs> I get out there and you're like, this is not relaxing. <laughs> like, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Another fun thing that that I would say is something I want to point out is that both of you guys live and have chosen to live at at these places that are like the apex of your sport. So like Jackson Hole in the whole like last 40 years you've lived there, Jim is like yeah. It's the best of the best. Like you go to that ski area and the average ski IQ of all the skiers is so much higher than like anywhere else, like most other ski areas in the world. And then Mark, you live on the North shore of Oahu. Like there's, this is where all the pros come in the yeah. winter time and all the contests are. And like, this is where it happens. It's um, yeah. Jackson's definitely a proving ground for skiing and North shore is proving ground for surfing, but it, it, we got here so long ago. Like, you know, we, we were pioneers. We, yeah. Like, we, <laughs> I mean, we just came here because, yeah, that was the place to go. It wasn't like, I don't know, I guess it was always been those places. But like Jackson, I mean, um, you know, Jim was there before that like extreme skiing was a thing or the video. There wasn't videos and there wasn't all that. We were, you know, that was, we came before all that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And there was a lot of detriments when we moved to these places. There was no women. There was no (laughs) work. Because it was like the Wild West. Yeah. It was totally the Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had the cowboy thing to deal with. Mark had the local Hawaiian thing to deal with. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of, they call them howlies or white people. You know, it's just, not, it wasn't, it was, it's different. You know? Yeah. You really had to love the sport or love the, the, you know, the ocean or whatever it was, or the mountains. Um, Figure out your way to survive. Yeah. Yeah in the area and making money was not if you wanted to make money that's not where you went right right (laughs) it's turned out real good in the long run (laughs) things have changed yeah Yeah. totally our houses have a couple extra zeros from when we build them (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's cool I mean these are really good lessons and uh, yeah I feel like I've I've been raised in all this, and I've got my eyes on ways to grow in my own life. Um, so you guys want to switch to the question section? Sure. Okay, so I'm going to throw out these questions, and then you, you handle it, and you handle it, and we'll go from there. Um, okay, so if you could go back in time and uh, go have a conversation and be able to give one piece of advice with a 10-year-old version of you... So you go and talk to young Jim, you go talk to young Mark, what would be the one piece of advice you would give yourself? Um, if you have the answer, Mark, go ahead. I'm still thinking. Gosh. No, it's, I don't, you, they always hear this question. I don't, I don't think I do anything different because I've learned from what it was. So I can't imagine, you know, I'm who I am because of what I went through, but um, I would 
probably tell myself to uh, pace my. I, I got. Um, I got hurt a lot when I was little, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to jump a bike over a trailer, mount, you know, motocross racing or whatever. Um, so I'd probably say, you know, those injuries might come back to haunt you someday or you might have arthritis <laughs> when you're 60 or 70 and think about that. But that's the only thing that comes to mind really is, is I, now that I'm 60, um, you know, you think about your health more. And when you're 10, you know, that you wouldn't even consider that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I can't really, um, yeah, follow your passion. Follow, you know, find, find what, find your passion, go after it, I guess. Yeah, I think I, like Mark, wouldn't change much from the way that uh, things turned out. Um, maybe just realize Family and friends are more important than and health. Yeah. Family, friends, and health. Yeah, are more important than yeah. That's all that really stuff. matters. Money doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, and health especially. I've just seen so many friends die. Yeah, that's one of the things where we both live in extreme places. So we've had we've lost a lot of, you know, we've lost a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, not from health, you know, from from their sport or. Jim more than me. But. Yeah, that's the other thing you realize living in places like this that pushing the limits may not be the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to too many funerals where they say he died doing what he loved. I'd rather be old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we were and talking. do what I love for a longer time. <laughs> right. At a lower level. Right. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day about how I feel like you guys have done a really good job of like pushing the limits while just, you know, like taking it back a notch or two and like within, you know, so that you're not redlining and pushing the limits of danger, but you're still like still feeling it, feeling the excitement. That's a sweet spot. Another thing I might advise is to curb your ambition. Curb your ambition. Yeah. Really? Why is that? Oh, I just think because of my ambition and I see it happening with my partner right now, I took on too much at once. Yeah. And I had so many balls in the air trying to juggle them that I'd end up dropping a ball or two. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, at sometimes I just couldn't, the treadmill was going so fast, I couldn't run that fast and I just kept getting spit out the back. Yeah. I, have, I know Mark had some years yeah, I doing the same thing. Like that too. I mean, I just, you have, you know, I had an ulcer one year, you know, it's like I'm trying to finish a house. I couldn't get the, I was out of money, but I, could, I, all I needed was paint on it to get the mortgage, but I couldn't get, you know, so I was trying to find, you know, I just got caught and you know, sometimes you can't control everything. Um, but, you know, if no risk, no reward also. Exactly. So, that's also know. why we are where we are And now. when you're young, you know, that's the time to take a risk because you really don't have anything to lose, you right. know. So if you're, you know, when you have nothing and you're parlaying everything, it's like not a big deal if you lose, you know. Um, later in life, obviously, if you can't be as risky as you were when you were younger. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was definitely putting everything on the line there for a few years. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I also, you know, what I've noticed is you just, you, as you get older, you get much gentler and kinder. Um, and one, um, as a 10 year old, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like we were talking about last night, the, the 20 year old surfers out there, they don't give a shit about you and how many waves you've got when you're sitting next to them. Whereas like the older guys, they're like, yeah, I've caught a couple waves. You're, it's yours you next. You know, yeah. there's like when you're younger. Well, and I think part of that reason is because when you're younger, like you're such a small person in a big world. And you're just yeah. like trying to fight to yeah, exactly. eke out your own niche. So like yeah. it's me against the world. And then when you're older, you're like, okay, I can sort of like facilitate yeah. the whole right. thing for everybody. Right. And like we've had kids. So like we like like we go surfing. We want, it's fun for us to see the kids get the yeah. little kids, you know, the next generation's coming up and stuff like that. It's really, um, you know, that's just as sometimes it's just as much fun as catching a wave as watching the little kids get all stoked, you know, after they kick out or whatever. It's just more fun. fun. It's more fun. <laughs> totally. Or riding or like, you know, cheering them on or like, oh, go, 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 you know, and they go and you see them kick out with a big smile on their face or whatever, you know, that's, that's super fun. You know? Yeah. That's the stoke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yep. Um, all right. Next question. Here we go. Uh, why don't you each name one of your major influences in your life a person one person uh mark's dad yeah he probably first come to mind for me too why don't you guys talk about uncle al a little bit (laughs) uh it was just uncle al's a legend (laughs) i'm gonna just start with that (laughs) He was just more into all the stuff that I was into, you know, he was a skier, he was a farmer, he had horses, he had, you know, he let me drive when I was probably, I don't know how old I was, I could barely reach the pedals. Um, And he... You know, he got me my first Volkswagen and he taught me how to rebuild engines and um, he was just more... He's a fisherman? He's a fisherman. Um, You know, and he still likes all the things I like where my dad was, uh, he just was into different stuff. Yeah. And he, you know, the car was broken he would take it to the shop where uncle al would try and fix it and all those things come in handy when you live in poverty like when mark and i first moved where we moved we didn't have any money so if your car broke you had to fix it or if you wanted a house you had to figure out how to build it and And he did all that like so he he um he grew up in cleveland but his um aunts and uncles had a huge farm in uh, Connecticut so when he was a kid they would put like a ticket on put him on the train and send him to Connecticut and you know as a little kid he would just sit and drive the tractor for all day long or whatever so he grew up on the farm and in the real rural areas if something breaks down you can't just go to the local place to get it you have to fix it on the farm in the road so he kind of became and learned how to do everything and then he was a school teacher and that's part of I think why um, so people he just loves kids and like liked a lot of people um, 
but we also never had any money, so if the car broke down or whatever, he had to fix the car, or he had to fix the tractor, he couldn't take it to the local dealer or whatever. Um, but also, our house, our kind of our farm is where like, all the neighborhood kids always hung out at our place, because it was, you know, and I think that was just a, kind of an atmosphere that he created or yeah. whatever, you know. Um, I never thought about it, but I think the fact that he was a teacher. It has a lot you know, to do with it. He that. knew how to educate, so yeah. when I'd come over, he'd go, okay, Jim, today we're going to learn how to adjust the valves on Volkswagen. <laughs> we'd be, he'd show me, our, like, today we're going to make wine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he was always doing that kind of stuff. He was always, he always had projects going on. Oh, and... a million. Yeah. Yeah. And he was doing the same thing that Mark and I ended up doing. Like, he was, you know, rebuilding this farmhouse. He was working at a racetrack in the evening. Yeah, he, he worked teaching so hard. all day. Oh my gosh. He yeah. had, like, the work ethic going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it also paid off for him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the old farmhouse that he bought was out in the country. And like Jim said, then it became the real, you know, all the doctors and lawyers moved out there and built their houses and it became, you know, then a, a quite an affluent neighborhood by the time he sold his house. Oh yeah. I'll bet that piece of property was worth something by the time it sold. Yeah, that was his retirement pretty much, I think. Yeah. Know, along with his teacher's retirement and everything else. But they never, I mean, one of the things I kind of learned from my parents and maybe from Jim's but was they never lived beyond their means so they were always planning for the future my mom and dad were really good about that um, and they're very I mean they're they have, they're very comfortable but they still um, they're thrifty they're very thrifty I mean they they don't um, yeah they live well within their means yeah. I mean they and they're, I think they're just not comfortable spending money or whatever, I don't know. You know, they're not, not really, I think because they work so hard for it yeah. that they just, um, they give it away to their kids and they like to, you know, be generous with it. But um, yeah. yeah, they're just, they don't need it for themselves. Right. It doesn't, doesn't give them happiness. You know, that's not, but. And I think and that's a good that's, lesson. Yeah. That's been passed down. Yeah. yeah. Like now that I have money, I have no desire for all the stuff that most people want. Yeah. I want a smaller house. I want a, <laughs> not a bigger house. We'll try to downsize them. You know, just make, yeah. give us more freedom and independence. Yeah. You know, and not, not have the big trophy house or whatever, you know. It's, like, it's funny. You know, I've always drove crappy cars. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't want, I don't need a bigger TV. I don't need a bigger house. Right. I don't need a fancier car. I'd rather spend it on experiences. Yeah. And, and I would tickets. Yeah. And I would say that that's like a, that's a family value that yeah. I have observed in our family is like the material stuff is not important, especially not for the like sake of the material value, like thing itself. Like what's most important is experiences and travel and enjoying life. <laughs> Although if you're buying a bicycle or a, Surfboard, maybe. Gear is a whole different <laughs> ball game. Gear is a different thing. We've been talking really? about this all week. Right. <laughs> at, like when we were young, it didn't matter what you were riding or what you were doing. But as you get older, 
you definitely have to get you have to get the better gear. It makes, <laughs> it's worth it. It keeps you yeah. engaged. That's, you know? I mean, that's where you put your money is is make sure that you're comfortable doing the thing that you love doing. <laughs> um, let's see. All right, so I got another question here for you. Uh, what would you say your why is? Like, what what's your driving force? And I feel like we've kind of been like circling around this. If you could put it into a sentence, what's your why in life? Uh, be a better human. Why? Because <laughs> uh, I think it makes it all worthwhile. I don't know. I've been... Yeah, that's why. And experience as much as I can. Yeah. Before I tip over. <laughs> yeah. And I feel a real like rush to do that now. Yeah. As you get older, you realize, like, especially with a lot of things I like, like I don't know if I'll be able to mountain bike for that many more years. So. Yeah. Or ski, or I mean. You're only one accident away. Right. Which you found out a year ago. Yeah, which I found out a year ago today. (laughs) Jim broke his hip last year. And now you're surfing. Yeah. Rocking it out. Recovered fast. Yeah. Incredibly fast. Felt slow. Yeah. How about you, Mark? My why? You know, it's sort of, I kind of was always, I think I did things to provide for the family and, and secure so I'd be comfortable later in life but now it's more like um, it's kind of like what Jim says is just um, set an example as a as a like conscientious human like to live you know practice what you preach or whatever it's just if you um, and again I think it's just as you get older you get more kinder, gentler, and more aware of um, how, how, you know, although it doesn't make a difference, you know, if I, if I don't recycle that can or whatever, it's not going to make a difference or whatever, but if everybody makes a little step or, and you live by example, whatever it is that you're doing, I think it it does make a a difference. Yeah. Kind of like a, a more selfless as you go along and yeah. see like your connection with the greater whole more yeah I don't know I don't know my why what my why is I'm still why not? finding it out yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> still discovering it I'd say it's like kind of like a meandering why you probably like it's just like what do I want to do today that's awesome like that, that sort of seems like it's been the, the MO for for both of you like yeah what brings me excitement I'm gonna go after that and lean into it and like oh that's fun let's add this in the mix and I'm just getting you know I've been locked down into you know so like Jim his daughters now are have graduated my daughters I have basically I have four more years left of college and then then I get a little more independent so I'm still kind of locked into work and providing and things like that um, but it, it's you know it's winding down and I can see as I make that transition, my why is going to change because it's going to be different. You know? And it changes dramatically because your why when you're a parent is yeah. 
you know, you need everything you do is pretty much to provide and yeah. you know, guide your kids. And you just worry about it all the time or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally. <laughs> and then you reach your point where you go like, okay, I did my job. Yeah. They're on their own now. And then you can start worrying about yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not worrying, but... Uh, taking care of Taking care of yourself. You're not t- taking care of others so yeah. much. Got a little breathing. And then room. I guess it goes full cycle when you're at the very end and they take care of you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, last question. <clears throat> what is your definition of art? I feel there's all kinds of art. And I like it all. From architecture to sculpture to music to dance I don't know if you can define it <laughs> how you like that question I, I think it, you know for me uh, same uh, it's um, but I think it's it's uh, when I find art that, that I connect with it, it's an emotional thing too like when we or, or it really um, it makes me pause for a second to appreciate it like when I find an art that or a song whether it's a song or a painting or we were looking at those murals last night like a street art and you know when you're walking on the street and you see something you're like you have to pause for a minute to take it in like that's like that's like really good art to me that's yeah, good stuff when, when it gives me like a, you know like I go whoa check that out you know? yeah 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 the good stuff it, it, there's there's like there's levels of art yeah there and and i think that it i mean i've talked about this question with so many people and you hear different perspectives on it but there's like there's levels there's a spectrum from like you know chairs being made in a factory yeah there is some art there but it's sort of like it's a lower intensity and then um you get into like handmade chairs and then you get into like the ones that are like sculpted like you know someone who's been making chairs for their entire life who puts it all into this like one final piece that's like um you know like the the intensity the pureness the frequency of it gets like so high and like sharp and uh and then the experience of that art when it's like really good and it's like you know that breathtaking thing like that's when it's like yeah Seeing and I a, think that's different for different people too. Like the the as the, the viewer, appreciation of it. Yeah. 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 I mean the really good stuff probably everybody likes. The really, really, really good stuff. Yeah. I kinda of think many people look at Picasso and, and go like oh, that, too, I yeah. could do that. Yeah. But our, no, I'll be, I think a lot of people do look yeah, do look at Picasso. Is that what you just said? Yeah. That people look at Picasso and think they can do it? Yeah. It is subjective and like the, so it's kind of a funny thing that like great art also needs the other side of it, the, like the great appreciation to even, to, to even understand it or appreciate it. Cause you could have somebody walk through a museum where like all the great art is and they wouldn't make it through the museum because they'd have to stop at every piece and they'd like be weeping because it's so amazing that they're even in front of it. And then you could have somebody walk through completely and be like, what time is it? What yeah. time is lunch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a, quite a spectrum. I have this thing, though, when, like, I've 
input whenever I've designed restaurants and you always, like you go to people's houses and you look at the way they are and you just go like, God, how could you live in a place like that? And you think like, it doesn't really matter when you're designing a restaurant, but my theory is that not everybody has good taste, but everybody appreciates good taste. Mm. And when you look at all really trendy restaurants, they have like this vibe in them that usually is good taste, whether it's the way the junk's nailed on the wall or whether some fancy designer made it. But most successful places have that thing that creates a comfortable space. And whether it's art on the wall or the chairs you have or whatever, it all matters. Yeah. And you could go to someone's house that, you know, has doilies all over the place. But I think when they still go into a clean contemporary space, they go like, wow, this is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a cool thought of how not everybody knows how to do it. But when you experience it, it's like, oh, yeah, you can feel it. And that's, that's, I mean, being an artist, talking art, thinking art, having conversations with people about art. I really like talking to people who don't have a formal art background about art because the same thing happens. They might not know how to talk about, you know, the form or the composition or like any of the formal elements of it, but like people know art. People, yeah. people know good art and like, can, and, and when they stand in front of a masterpiece and they really look at it, like, you can feel like, holy shit, there's something going on here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Design, too, I think. Like you mentioned, like, good design is art. You know? like, yeah. Like, a, like you were saying, in a factory, it can still be art if it's, like, if, if it's the design of the chair was, like, this really, like, innovative or really dis- ergonomically... Yeah, right design look at those Herman Miller chairs like yeah I mean, it's just some some things it's like the design element is like something to be appreciated like in a way that art is appreciated yeah it's buildings and public spaces yeah. and houses and yeah right yeah so like art <clears throat> art is like a, a something that's curated it's something that's intentional whether it's a space yeah. and music right and then, and even like music is like a song is really kind of like a soundscape. It's like an environment for your mind that you're hearing through your auditory senses. And when you close your eyes, you're like, you can be taken away to Hawaii listening to, you know, an ukulele song or like, like, and then a painting is like a little dimension in itself. And a chair is like a little experience right. for you. Right. It's like art is these experiences. Well put. Uh, all right. I think we figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this has been awesome. I think we, we did this. We squeezed it in. It was kind of tough to figure out when to do this because the surf is so damn good. And we're actually going to go out right now and go and see if I can't survive another giant surf session. <laughs> um, this is the part of the interview where I acknowledge my guests for sitting with me and being on the show. You guys are some of my favorite people in the world. It's been great. You guys have helped raise me into the human that I am, and I'm eternally grateful. And, uh, yeah, you guys do awesome, awesome things in the world, and it's cool. I mean, I'm the oldest in my generation, and it's right. so cool seeing all of, all of our cousins and, you know, 
everybody's just like moving and shaking and it's the same kind of like follow your bliss um push as hard as you can in the directions that you can with what you've got it's like you know and, and like be humble and um it's just really cool i love our family i'm biased but i love our family <laughs> yeah and, uh yeah yeah we're all proud of you the next generation too you guys are all doing great yeah yeah really well that's another good thing to see yeah passing on yeah down the line yeah yeah we got some movers and shakers i've uh i've interviewed some of them but more will be on on the podcast in the future (laughs) um cool all right well Jim, I feel like you should tell people that, well, we should tell people to go check out the, the, the cowfish. Sure. If they're not? ever, you know, if, if you can't get to Lander, Wyoming. And the rusty truck. And the rusty truck. Check out the murals. The yep. bathrooms at cowfish. Oh, yeah. There's, there's Don't some forget artwork that. there. <laughs> art, art by Taylor Gallegos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Mark, is there anyone you, you want people to check out anywhere? I don't know. Follow, follow Taylor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. Buy a painting. Buy a yeah. painting, yeah. Painting. You we know. can go on surfing more, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Um, okay, why don't you leave us with one last piece of wisdom for the next generation from, from each of you? One last piece of wisdom. Be kind. Nice. Yeah. Treat others how you'd want to be treated. It's not, nothing new. That's it. There it is. Easy. All right. Cheers, everybody. So that, my friends, was my interview with my freaking awesome uncles, Uncle Jim, Uncle Mark. That was a blast. This whole week has been really amazing. Um, This summer, I did some mural work for Uncle Jim at the Cowfish, so... When you go there, walk down that main hallway and check out the logo designs that are all over and you'll see what I did to earn this trip. Jim was like, why don't I pay you a little bit of money and pay you a little bit in a trip sometime, somewhere. I was like, great. And then the idea to come to Hawaii came up and uh, yeah, we went and got some COVID tests, made sure we were good, got on airplanes and uh, here we've been on the North shore of Oahu for the last week just having a blast it's freaking gorgeous here it it really is paradise on hawaii um all the different islands have different flavors north shore of oahu's got its own special brand and uh it's just really fun and magical so we've been hanging out we've been talking talking story all week talking philosophy life having a good time the surf has been getting bigger as the week went on and I almost got eaten by the ocean a couple times. It's If you're a surfer or you've been into the ocean and you've seen waves, these ones are like nothing. I mean, unless you, you're here on and you've seen some really huge surf, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. And uh, it's really exciting. And it's a cool flow of life here because you like you wake up, you eat breakfast, you go out and you surf for a couple hours and then you come back and have lunch and chill out for the afternoon i was taking naps in the hammock over here hanging on some palm trees right next to the ocean and then you go out for an afternoon evening session and watch the sunset from the water and it's magical 
So I feel unbelievably grateful that this whole situation came together and that I've gotten to enjoy this. I know the world is going crazy right now with COVID and all sorts of other stuff going on. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be getting back to all that fun here soon. But this has been a little little dive away from that. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed what you heard. Those two guys are legendary. Um, yeah, I feel like the main point of, I don't know, from an, like an outside observer perspective, it's like the lesson that we can all learn from the lives that they lead is like just lean into what you love and work hard at it and look for solutions for the situations and problems that you have and and really like consistent effort over time leads to big change over time and and these guys these guys live pretty damn good lives because of that and that's what i'm that's what i'm going for and i hope you are too i'm sure you are too what are your big whole big goals big hopes big dreams for your life where do you want to be when you're 50 60 70 years old and what do you want your life story to be about these are all good questions to ask so that's about it that's about it uh we're gonna we're gonna go surfing again and i'm gonna try to not get crunched and i hope that wherever you are you're enjoying your day and leaning into whatever creative pursuit that it is that you do so cheers